0: guys welcome to the Delta Flyers with Tom and Harry as we journey through episodes of Star Trek Voyager your two hosts along this journey are myself Garrett Wong and my co-host Robbie Duncan McNeil here we are on a journey
1: we're on a journey we're, in, we're on, on a the, journey the 3 seasons in on our journey, on journey. of uh, of the Voyager run
0: so i don't know why it's making me dance we're on a journey it, that sounds like a, a Brady Bunch theme song. We're on a journey. It does kind of. Yeah. I, can you believe we're actually in season three, episode seven or eight now? This is crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. It is. It's flying by. It really by. is. Really, really is. Oh my goodness. It's been fun
1: so far. It it's really, really been fun. Really been
0: fun and, um, and I'm excited. And thanks to all our listeners for listening, this following us this entire time. That's just, I know. you know, it's wonderful. We've, we've, Every every week our downloads keep increasing. So, um, and I'm just attributing this to the fact that more people are finding us. You know, there's still people now to this day. They're like, "Oh my gosh, I just heard about this!" And so um, we're just so happy that you guys are joining us. Um, And so we are now uh, about to review, rewatch Future Zen Part Two. Future Zen Part Two. I love. Mm -hmm. We. I loved Part One. I have to
1: say it was. One of my favorite episodes we we ever did. The story mm-hmm. was great. The adventure was a lot of fun. The complexity of the time travel and kind of connecting it to current day Earth, you know, at least in 1996, yeah. what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at some mm-hmm. of the old computer monitors in Rain Robinson Science Lab with the really cheesy graphics. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah.
0: Uh, oh, yeah. So fun yeah and so i'm i'm excited to see what happens to the too. doctor yeah i don't remember and, and he as, as we know the last thing that we uh, saw was the stealing of the doctor's program by starling so starling now has the doctor yeah and i i'm just i can't wait to see what happens to him I, I, I don't remember very clearly so let's go watch um part two robbie and and come back and review I can't wait thanks guys so much patreon patrons please stay tuned for what do we remember <laughs> Hey guys, Robbie and I are back from watching Futures End Part Two. What a chalk full of plot storyline. Oh this episode is just it's cram-packed, filled with action and yeah. lots of turns and twists. It's it's very and yeah, and you had talked a little bit about this was originally written for a four-parter episode. I can see how everything was crammed into you know the Into part the two parts. Two, yeah, yeah I read
1: I read that um. That this originally was conceived as like at least four parts. This was a huge, that's incredible, yeah. Thing. Mm-hmm. In fact, I also read that that uh, there was talk about bringing Sarah Silverman on back on the Voyager as a regular. Yeah, that that mm-hmm. was uh, heard something that, that was debated, and uh, right. I had forgotten all about that. Yeah, it's a huge episode. It's really huge, yeah. and I was well, right let's... with my. I guessed with my background, I've got you the did. desert, the desert road. I did remember. There was a desert job. road, that was a nice sequence. Good job. Let's start with our poetry, though. Let's start let's with our- do. Well, why Let's do, let's dive start, right in. Start with you your- You want me to do my limerick? Yeah, I'll do, you my do my limerick. your
0: limerick okay. first. Here's my limerick for futures End part two. Um, all right, Starling's capture begins part two but he's beamed back through shields. Who knew? A ruse was on. Starling's now gone. Janeway's manual launch to subdue.
1: Nice, nice. That was very you, good. Sir. You covered a lot of Thank ground. You, I sure did. Haikus are much simpler. They can haiku only me. capture a brief moment in time. Yes, haiku me, sir. Here we go. My synopsis in haiku form. Must find the time ship. Doc, footloose and fancy free, back to date
0: and time. <laughs> yes. Oh, the economy of words is just yes. invigorating. <laughs> yes, it really is. What's the final stanza? Back to time. back, Wait, back, back to date
1: back and time. To
0: date and time. Oh, five. There because you Because
1: it's There's a five. It's a time. Yeah. You know, we're in a in a weird timeline here, and they, and stupid starfleet rules make us go all the way back <laughs> like what do they call it a temporal temporal the,
0: prime directive
1: temporal mm. prime directive we got to go back cannot and,
0: violate yeah girl must not cannot violate temporal prime temporal,
1: directive yes that is it. all right
0: uh, this episode clearly is still written by Brandon Braga and Joe Mantoski yes. but it is now directed by Cliff bowl and that's how i originally started my limerick i said new director to begin part two is what i oh I that's began funny. The, yeah but i changed it so cliff ball is now the director and i'm wondering why they didn't feel that you know, why didn't they just let you know uh the director of David the first livingston episode continue both? yeah why didn't livingston
1: do both both of these were huge episodes by the way yeah i gotta great. say i feel like this may be my favorite episodes. This two parter so may far. be my f- nice. yeah. yeah. Okay. It was fun to watch. Yeah. It, the plot was huge. The concept Big. felt very relatable. Like, mm-hmm. like the technology and the way things were exploding yeah. in the late 90s uh, with technology yes. changing mm-hmm. the world in in mm-hmm. huge ways. So this idea yeah. that that someone had gotten technology from the future that they shouldn't have made a lot of sense to me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, let's just dive right into it. Rain and Tom are sitting outside. Robbie, where was that? You're that sitting was in like at a the park? Paramount,
1: Paramount Studios lot. That was on okay. the lot out by the screen, mm-hmm. by the Paramount Theater.
0: They've got gotcha. a little
1: park-like area. And so we were filming. Right. They're right at the studios, but we were filming out at the park.
0: It looked like a public park from the viewpoint of, you know, when you're watching the episode. But then when I look at the tables and how nice the chairs were, I thought that's not a public park that's, no. that's, uh, and it's it's tables and chairs that they set up or maybe they were already there that i think they're already on there paramount. on yeah, the paramount yeah but of lot. course since it's on the lot you could put nicer stuff so people aren't going to steal it right yeah. they are not going to jack it it's still and you still could see
1: there. the fountain in front of the paramount theater that's mm-hmm. on the lot just for screenings and you know mm-hmm. For the studio screenings and things like that. They've got a big Mm -hmm. fountain. You could see that.
0: That opening scene when Rain is getting out of the VW bus, you're already sitting on the park tape at the park chair and table. You're working on the transistor radio or something like that to reconfigure it to make it a communication device, right? Yes. Um, When she walks out, that uh, is the snapshot that yes that's I, a snapshot and that and i'm I, like going that oh is so God. not robbie it's not <laughs> me first of all we didn't okay just so people know what the heck we're talking about robbie Robbie has a background on I'm right going to put it right that now. Is of the I'm desert, gonna... right? But for those people that are just listening to the yes. podcast and don't see anything, I have to explain it to them. Robbie chose a different virtual background, which was a screenshot of Rain coming out of the bus and the back of what looks like Robbie um, walking sort of away. And we talked about, I said, gosh, that guy doesn't really look like you. And Robbie kept insisting, that's me. I walked out a lot back I then. Was I said. so sure. I said, Boy, this guy looks shorter than you. I just don't think that's you. And he says, Well, it could be the lighting is different. Is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There and what we should have realized, Robbie, yes, we were fooled by the gray tank top because you are also wearing a gray tank top, that's right? True. But yeah. that dude is wearing khaki pants. You have dad jeans on. I so there's no way je- I know. That I should have thought you. the yeah, dad jeans
1: pretty- should have been the, mm-hmm. the clue. I know. Exactly. Yeah, where is it? That's there the opening is. scene. That's her getting out. So we're in the park. Rain is very suspicious. She's like, everything's odd. She yes. says that I call myself a secret agent and nobody says uses that term. Mm-hmm. They use the word spy. But mm-hmm. you can see Rain and Tom bonding, which I think yeah. was such a fun arc in this two-parter yeah. with Paris and Rain. I thought it was great.
0: Was it really bright that day? You're squinting a oh lot my gosh, in this So episode. much. You're, you're Mr. Squint. Um, the whole episode, this. I was like... Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, I have I have very sensitive eyes that way. Like I
0: yes. yeah. but although the sunlight was really difficult to deal with, it did really bring the blue out in your eyes. Oh thank it you made for them noticing a little bit more that. dreamy. Thank
1: you. Yeah, I was squinting a lot, but I they they bond. Paris says, you know, mm-hmm. what why did she become an astronomer? She says she looked at uh, Saturn's rings with her brother when she was a kid. Mm-hmm. From a treehouse, they had a little telescope and the Saturn rings look like pirate treasure. So it's a yeah. really Nice, sweet, very personal, intimate kind of sharing. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I thought that was cool. Paris what? is working on the car radio and yeah. he fritzes it. And uh, Tuvok says, let's go to the observatory, use the radio dish mm-hmm. there. And Rain says, not on an empty stomach. Let's eat some of this junk food, burritos, and all the things that Tuvok brought back. Yes. Right? Tuvok yeah. brought all the junk food for
0: them to eat, which <laughs> I love. I don't know. I would think that a Vulcan would be probably vegan
1: i think it was more like he didn't know what the food was so he just ordered every one of everything and because he brought Mm. back all of the sodas and the bags of
0: food i agree okay so we jump back to the briefing room now we're on the ship and there's a whole conversation about how to stop starling what do we do yeah he's going to cause this impending explosion we need to stop him there's an incoming transmission from tuvok uh at this point you guys are are back at rain's lab Paris and Rain are bonding over this coffee table book about B-movies and they're laughing and giggling. Janeway asks if we can trust Rain. Tuvok is pretty sure that yes, we can trust Rain. Yeah,
1: I remember that set by the way, the the laboratory set we built on stage. And I remember Mm -hmm. that was a very cool set. Yeah. This episode was really cool because we get to do scenes in sets and in locations that were just so unusual for a sci-fi show, you know? Definitely.
0: Was Rain's lab on stage 16 or was it on stage uh, nine? I thought something? it was on nine. My memory yeah. is that it was on nine,
1: but it was very cool and uh, great hmm. set decoration. All the little props and things were cool.
0: It looks great, definitely. Um, Starling's office I'm guessing is also, was also on nine um, somewhere, right?
1: That might've been on 16, yeah.
0: Okay. Well, the doctor and Starling are now having a conversation. Uh, The doctor diagnoses Starling as having bipolar personality disorder. I love that. And the doc has a wonderful line. I'm a doctor, not a database. uh, When he wants to know more information, he wants the psych profiles of Captain Janeway to know his enemy better. But then uh, the doctor sort of refuses to help him. And he says that there's nothing you can do to make me comply.
1: This was very cool.
0: Yes. Using futuristic 29th century technology, Ed Begley Jr. Starling is able to give torture the him basically yeah he is able to give the doctor the experience of pain yeah right? he says i've reconfigured your tactile
1: response sensors yeah and then he gives him the feeling of burning he says yeah. that's what it feels like to burn <laughs> if you were on fire so you know seeing yeah. the doctor writhing on the floor and yeah. he also tells him earlier in this scene that he's got uh, holographic projectors all over his office from the 29th century. So far, we we know that wow, this guy can project him into his office. That's pretty cool because we yeah. could only do it in the sickbay. That's the That's only right. place he could be. That's with right. 20, 24th century technology or the holo-
0: holodeck. We could mm-hmm. bring him onto the. We can holodeck. put him there. Yeah. Uh, Rain calls in, and she basically. Uh, tell Starling, please meet me at the Metro Plaza. I don't want to come to Chronoworks headquarters. I'm afraid for my life. And- yeah. Uh, Starling says, yeah, I'll send somebody. He says, no, no, just you. And this is basically pulling Starling into the trap that has been discussed earlier between Janeway and the crew, what they're going to do. Um, So Starling agrees. He's like, okay. And the doctor basically says, well, I'm not going. And then all of a sudden you'd see the doctor. (laughs) He does actually show up. He does show Uh, up. But we do cut to a scene with Chakotay and Torres in the shuttle and they're flying down Mm -hmm. to um, basically intercept and beam Starling. Aboard it's a the long shuttle. scene. A
1: couple things I noticed. That's, that's our old shuttle. You know, it's not the Delta Flyer yet. So it was funny to see the old shuttle because we didn't see that a lot. You know, in the later seasons, that's it's right. pretty plain that shuttle, the interior of the shuttle. The other thing yes. I noticed that was funny is they're kind of flirting with each other again. They're you know Chakotay and B'Elanna are sort of getting
0: yes kind of
1: intimate. But I gotta say, I didn't feel any chemistry in this scene between the characters, even though they have this you know, very kind of personal, what would you do I on agree. earth conversation? I was like, wow, I'm su- surprisingly I, little chemistry there. I agree. There's a yeah. little bit of flirtiness, but it, it, it didn't, mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't, I don't know, not
0: much there. Yeah. In this scene, you know, she says, what if we're stuck here? Chicote, what if we're stuck here? We're going to have to get jobs. And then they start talking about possible jobs, right? Chicote right. talks about pursuing archeology span full time. I didn't know, no one really knew anything about that until this point. right? And then he says, maybe teach at a university, which is funny because in real life, that is what Robert Beltran actually ended up doing. He went to UCLA and was teaching Shakespeare at the university. So uh, that's real life imitating art. Back down to the Metro Plaza.
1: By the way, the Metro Plaza location was actually the Music Center uh, Plaza.
0: The Dorothy Chandler, Chandler Pavilion. Dorothy correct? Chandler Pavilion, yeah.
1: the Mark Taper Forum, and the Amundsen Theater, which is where all the Broadway show tours, big shows come through Los Angeles, most of them. And I had performed at the Amundsen at the Music Center just a few years before we did this, uh, before we did, uh, got on, started with Star Trek. I had performed yeah. at the Music Center and in Into the Woods, the first national tour. So really? it was fun to see. Yeah, it was fun to see us on that plaza. Right, spent six months, you know, on the on the the L.A. company of Into the Woods at the theater. Yeah. Well, so at the Metro Plaza, the doctor gets out of the car and he's got the mobile emitter, Mm -hmm. and I had forgotten that this is where this is the episode where he gets the holographic mobile emitter.
0: I was confused. I thought it was later, and I thought that he showed up with the mobile emitter on the bridge to talk about being footloose and fancy free. Like that that was his lines when he you yeah. know, he said, I've been equipped with an autonomous self-sustaining mobile hollow emitter. In short, I'm footloose and fancy free. And he's very proud about that. But in yeah. my head, that entire dialogue happened on the bridge of Voyager, oh, not here, you know? So it was a little um, jarring for me to see yeah. the scene. I was like, oh my goodness.
1: Well, they get out and the doctor's in his Starfleet outfit on the, <laughs> out on the streets, which I thought was <laughs> yeah. hilarious. And Starling threatens him and says, if your shipmates start any trouble, you'll be hollow dust. Rain appears and she wants them to walk back towards her van. And he, Starling insists, no, you got to come with me this way. Yeah. So that's very worrisome because Tuvok and Paris are waiting. They had a plan.
0: They had already transmitted the coordinates to Chakotay for the van. You know what I'm saying? But not for the sedan that uh, Starling's guy is driving him in. So on the bridge... uh, Janeway orders Starling to be beamed aboard Voyager because what happens is as Jakote and Torres are beaming Starling onto the shuttle, Starling has that futuristic tricorder. So he's now interfering with the, uh, the transport to the point that he's in the buffer, he's in the transporter buffer, but he's preventing them from rematerializing him. Um, on the shuttle, right? So with the help of Harry, they're able to rematerialize him uh, on the transporter pad in the transporter room on the USS Voyager, Mm -hmm. which is where he passes out. And we later learn, because I thought that's so weird, but we later learn from Kess that he suffered minor synaptic stress during the extended transport, enough to cause unconsciousness, but no permanent damage.
1: And by the way, when this whole transport started, they were in the sedan and he starts to dematerialize. Rain sees this. Mm -hmm. and is freaked out which you would be if you see somebody you don't even know about transporter technology and they start disappearing in front of your eyes and the doctor starts getting punched punched by uh dunbar (laughs) bodyguard guy he's getting punched it's very funny because he just gets punched over and over (laughs) and over and the doctor then he stops he's like what's going on the doctor looks at him and bam (laughs) one punch and knocks him out And the doctor runs off, meets up with Rain, uh, Paris and Tuvok. That's where he has that line you're talking about. He meets up with them and the doctor says, I've been equipped with an autonomous self-sustaining mobile hollow emitter. In short, I am footloose and fancy free. Classic, (laughs) classic line. Yeah, so they get Starling on board. Uh, As you said, he's in the sickbay and they realize the shuttle is going
0: to crash right because the, all the whole thing of trying to beam starling aboard causes all kinds of havoc on the Overall, shuttle and they yep. they crash and they crash and end up crash landing somewhere in arizona so yeah. they,
1: yes they wake up in the basement they're tied, tied up, up yeah. by these kind of doomsday prepper anti-government uh yes. militia sort of people and i did read when i was trying to look up a couple of things about this episode after i watched it i did read that th- when this was a much bigger four parter, six parter story, it was a much bigger story at one point. That that anti government storyline was really big. It was huge. It was yeah. a big part from not just part two, but it was throughout the whole thing.
0: Because of editing, it really seemed like an afterthought, you know. Yeah, it was um, very very okay. much an afterthought. Yeah. I mean, very ambitious episode, really, to, to open huge. up all these different can of worms and plot twists for yeah. sure. Um, but you know that's um, that's what you get from the mind of Braga and Monoski. You yeah. get some some really crazy twists.
1: Well, they've got them tied up. They mm. they go in to touch Balana, see what's on her head, and mm-hmm. she fights back. And ultimately, they end up calling for reinforcements. So you're like, oh boy, right. this is gonna get yeah. this is gonna get rough. We get back in the van. We're driving. Rain is alarmed by uh, Starling's disappearance and mm-hmm. that the doctor, the doctor punched being punched over, yeah. over and over. She's like. With no oh, she evidence also says, of injury. She says, I love this line. I've gone out with guys who've disappeared into thin air on our first date. And the doctor goes, <laughs> I assume she's speaking figuratively. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: And then she goes, I like in, how she and, calls him Mr. Leisure Suit. Yeah. She goes, <laughs> Remember that? Yeah.
1: Mr. Leisure Suit. And, and I yeah. was like, that's exactly what these uniforms are. They're leisure suits, They're like futuristic <laughs> leisure suits. All these neighborhoods, by the way, that we're driving in. So the way they do this is they tow the van with like a tow truck made for filmmaking. And then they either have a camera off that tow truck or they have a camera in the car with you. Those yeah. were all streets around Paramount Studios. So um... we were driving very close. We would probably load up at the studio, get the mm-hmm. whole train caravan together and then we drive yeah. out the gate and start driving around the neighborhood so
0: how does that work though if the camera is on you guys but a car or a person walks past do you have to do they have to stop that person and, and get a release form from that person i think if it's you know inc- what i'm saying like if how it's does that incidental work
1: incidental stuff in the background no it doesn't, doesn't
0: matter. matter okay no, it doesn't matter got you Um, Janeway calls Tuvok from sickbay to inform them that Chakotay and Tuvok shuttle has gone down over Arizona. So she orders Tuvok to find them. Tuvok decides to take the doctor with him on this side away mission. Mm -hmm. And then he orders Paris and Rain to continue their, their mission, um, at Chronoworks, um, And then we jump to sickbay when Starling wakes up. Mm -hmm. Janeway discovers why Starling wants to launch the time ship. He needs to find more technology to bring back to the 20th century to continue the rapid rising success that Chronoworks has had.
1: Yeah, he he definitely is trying to monetize these things, but he's also like a zealot because he actually believes that he's bettering mankind. And Mm -hmm. he says, at one point, he says you know, he's cannibalized the ship as much as he can and he needs more technology. He says, there's nothing left to base a commercial product on anymore. And, uh, that's the, yeah, that's the technology zealot kind of mindset of, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, confusing profit and power with bettering mankind. Maybe, yeah, maybe technology is not always bettering mankind. Maybe it's better not to move so fast was my Well take yeah, he's
0: fasting. he clearly has developed some type of god complex yes. now that he feels that look, I I dispense the these groundbreaking or game-changing techno- technological revolutions um, and I'm the one that is facilitating that. Without me this world is going to go into the crapper. So yeah. yeah, he believes it. We go back to the basement, but before that there's a quick shot of the shuttle for crashing, it looks pretty darn okay. That was it a just cool shot. I like that <laughs> right? shot. I was like,
1: yeah. to see the shuttle, it was very well done shot. Yeah, you see mm. the shuttle, it looks okay. Just to see it in that environment, I thought it, it blended very, very nicely.
0: I like the words out of the, the anti-government guy. There are two forces at work in the world. The drive toward collectivity and the drive toward individuality. And then that's when you hear, the yeah. feds are coming, the feds are coming. You yeah. hear all this stuff, um, but we don't see it. You know, obviously, because of time and budget concerns, we don't see the feds uh, surrounding the property, unfortunately. But we jump back to the bus, the VW bus. Rain assesses the motley crew. I love it. She's like the doctor, a guy with the worst taste in clothing I've ever seen. Tuvok, what a -a freakosaurus. Has the guy ever cracked a smile? And you, Tom Paris, Sexy. In a howdy-doody sort of way. And that, that to me is just quintessential Brandon Braga dialogue here. In yeah. a howdy-doody sort of way. Pretty goofy, although sometimes I think you're the smartest man I've ever met. I know. All this, yeah, all this running around you do, your mission, you're so dedicated, you know? Like you care about something more than just your own little life. So she's really falling for Tom here. I mean, there's all this stuff I, she's just regurgitating. She's, yeah, she's it, really getting some- know.
1: Big compliments. I, I have mm. to say I was really happy with this dialogue. I mean, not not just personally, but, <laughs> yeah. but for the character, because yeah, they put Tom Paris for the first couple of years in so many situations where he was very often not doing admirable things mm. or, or appearing not to be doing admirable things, doing selfish yeah. things, whatever. So to have another character somebody especially like this like an earth person who doesn't know mm-hmm. anything just mm-hmm. make these observations was good for the audience
0: it's a validation it's a really a validation that that you are you're an honorable character you know you're not just this this uh, you're not this grifter you know yeah. going through life trying to like get the best of everyone and, yeah. and kind of slide by and, and not you know not not do the heart, not put in the work. You're looking for the shortcut. You're not yeah. that guy. You're you're somebody who's actually quite upstanding in what you're doing. You're dedicated to your to your mission. So yeah, it's definitely the very it's very complimentary.
1: I thought the uh, idea of bringing this character Rain Robinson and Tom Paris together for this brief romance, mm-hmm. really smart. It brought it brought out really good qualities in Tom. Yeah. It was just a, a very interesting match, you know?
0: Yeah. And I justify the howdy Doody, duty line with the dad jeans. I said, yeah, his jeans are pretty howdy. Doody. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> what I want to go with.
1: <laughs> yeah. So the bodyguard, uh, what's his name? Dunbar. He uses a satellite sweep uh, scanning for Starling. Scanning for mm-hmm. Starling, finds him. And he beams him back with the 29th century transport. Through
0: shields. He was able to beam through our shields and just pluck him out of the ship. Yep.
1: Nothing. Starling comes back to Mr. Dunbar. Great work. We got to get out of here.
0: We uh, move back to the bus. We're back at the VW VW bus. Rain basically asks Tom on a date. Um, Then when Tom doesn't really bite, she then assumes incorrectly. You're married. And Tom replies, absolutely not. Just very busy yeah yeah you got to get back to mars right and then you say saturn so a lot of cute little kind of you it's know very cute. dialogue it's really rom- yeah rom-com, it it's, a nice rom-com. Little it's rom-com a total, story I thought it, it is great. a rom-com i totally agree um and if you think about it in star trek 4 the voyage home the parallel is you are basically captain kirk and she is the character oh, of yeah. dr jillian taylor the one scientist that he kind of has a little bit of a flirtation with, you yeah, know, and yeah. uh, she's in charge of of the uh, marine, the, the 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 mammals, the museum or whatever, the uh, the aquarium, right? So, yeah. um, she's the marine biologist, and so now you have Rain playing uh, Catherine Hicks' role as the science uh, woman of science. And you are Captain Kirk. You're having this little rom-com moment with her. But that's interrupted when your tricorder beeps and you know that there are tachyon emissions coming from a semi that's leaving Chronoworks. So we all assume the time ship is being moved. Mm -hmm. And that's when you guys chase after them. run back to the basement where the feds have now surrounded the property and it was cool how you could hear everything you know yeah we've got you surrounded and all of a sudden and then you're like who the hell are you two and then you hear two box voice right please step back and then there's phaser fire gunfire and the greatest line of all is when the the anti-government guy that's looking out the door goes he comes in and he says he goes, they've got lasers. He says that. He goes, a <laughs> yeah. black man and some bald guy, is what he says. Like, and I just, I just, <laughs> that Bob is some bald guy. Right? Some bald so, guy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so they run downstairs and the yes. doctor walks in at the top of the steps and they yes. all start firing. Bang, bang, bang. And you see the gunshots going through the wall. But yes, obviously the doctor is not getting injured. He just stood there and let it all happen.
0: Oh, yeah. Great lines. The divine intervention line is unlikely, that one. And then suffice it to say, I'm making a house call, what he says to like They can't believe. Because at this point, they don't know why the doctor is even here, because they don't know he has a mobile emitter on. They're just confused. They're like, how is this happening? This is very confusing to them. The VW bus is now following the semi-truck, and you guys are not really, it doesn't seem like anyone has any speed. Like the truck looks like it's going slow. The VW Plus looks like it's going kind of Looking slow, right? Really Relatively speaking. Janeway basic. she talks to Paris, but then she then talks to Rain. So Rain is talking to Janeway. Janeway tells uh, Tom that weapons are offline and the shuttle was still being repaired by Torres. So you are, you're on your own. You may be the only one to save save the world.
1: So we have a little phaser shootout. I'm leaning out the window, Tom Paris out the window, fires a phaser, right. hits the hits the, uh, the wheel and it skids and slides. It hits the flap,
0: actually, right? A, I think yeah. it hits the flap or something. It hits the we flap. We think and there's, that he's disabled. Yeah.
1: We think uh, so, but we also skid right. to a stop and stall. The van won't right. start. And we look up in right. the truck, the truck is headed right back towards us. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. about to smash into us when all of a sudden we see the shuttle fly in and fire a, a phaser's at the, truck, at the semi at the yeah. semi, blows it up and it comes and it obviously stops and and we are saved
0: um, poor dunbar that's the end of dunbar though right yeah i think Dunbar's done so. i think he's
1: done it looked like yeah. he was done it it blew up pretty he's, good
0: yeah I, I felt bad like you know he's just doing his job
1: um i do remember <laughs> by the way i remember going out there and shooting that and we did have some of the dialogue scenes and some of the driving stuff but yeah. they had a lot more work i remember going out there and thinking oh, wow, they have a lot more on the call sheet Mm -hmm. than our scenes. And it was all the driving stuff. That stuff takes a long time to do it safely and get the stunt drivers in and reset the truck and skid the truck. And I noticed when it skid, you could see some other skid marks on the road. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this was probably take four or five. <laughs> like they tried to yeah, get yeah, yeah. just
0: right. Did you drive at all? Did you do any of the, did you, no, sorry, well, she you're was, sitting next to Rain. Yeah, did, Rain she, did she drive at all? Did she drive some of it? Or I don't
1: think so. I think it was always a stunt okay. double. Stunt
0: yeah. They driver, had a lot yeah. more
1: work on the call sheet and schedule than, you know, we probably mm-hmm. worked half the day, but then they okay. did all the driving and stunt work for the other
0: half of the day. That makes sense. Um, in the wreckage of the of the uh, semi, we do, we now find or we now discover that there's no time timeship. It was just a temporal transponder set to give off tachyon signals, mm-hmm. and uh, we realize that we've been we've been had. Starling is launching from a different site. Uh, we then Any... flash to the cockpit,
1: right? Well, yeah, we flash the cockpit and we see it crash out of the. Out of the Chronoworks
0: building, right? And I I love how they don't use impulse drive. They use hyper impulse drive in the future. So that was kind of cool. But cool shot with all the glass and debris coming out after it flew out. Um, through the windows. And then back on our our (laughs) ship, Janeway
1: says, uh, she's got an idea. She says, uh, I love what she says to you. Take the bridge, Mr. Kim. It should be second nature to you by now. Yeah.
0: Yeah, she leaves the bridge because the photon torpedoes, we can arm them, but they can't fire. So the launch activation sequencers are not responding. Kim suggests rewiring the fire command through the helm. Captain's like, no, that's going to take too much time. I'm going to do this for a manual Manual launch. launch. Yeah, Yeah. very dangerous. Harry complains and Janeway sort of dismisses him. By this time, Chakotay has basically uh, beamed... Uh, no, he hasn't been back yet. He informs yeah. Paris that he's going to beam him back onto the shuttle is what it is. Right. Yeah. That's the scene. Um, and that's where we have the goodbye. Uh, uh and I love the dialogue here. I really do. On the desert road, rain says, your spaceship's waiting. Tom <laughs> says, I've never ever met anyone. I'm gonna do your voice. I've never met anyone quite like you. And I don't think I ever will Rain says same here. Say hi to Saturn for me. And then Paris goes, I will. And then the big smooch and that's it. That's your yeah, goodbye scene. That right there. Was, it was a very sweet goodbye scene. It was, it was rom-com yeah. all was the way.
1: All the yeah. way. And then we get mm-hmm. back to the ship and the band's got back the together. Everybody's coming yes, in under I, the bridge. I got my fancy shirt. I
0: am no, you are, I'm no longer acting captain. So Harry Kim hands over acting captain back to Chakotay. Right. Uh, he tells Chakotay Janeway is attempting a manual launch. Uh, Tuvok says Starling is powering his temporal field generator and he's going to be able to open a rift within seconds and Kim says the field he's creating is unstable Blana, like everyone has a line here, Blana goes yeah. well if he enters the rift like this the timeship will create a temporal explosion Tuvok is is very you know practical and says yeah. well the events are occurring just as Braxton predicted the disaster may well be inevitable and Chakotay the most brash line of all says Fate Tuvok." It was so Shakespearean fake Tuvok, yeah what? he's like fake Tuvok I will not accept that. Close to, (laughs) you like that? I did. I had the same moment. Yes. (laughs) I will not accept that. Close to within 10 kilometers. We'll ram him if we have to. And Paris says, aye, sir. So that was very bold, right? To make that decision. Yes. And Janeway's in the tube. And Chicote tries to tell Starling one last time, pull away from the rift. He's like, yeah, well, right. What are you, how are you gonna stop me? Your weapons are down. And that's when we launched the photon torpedo. Janeway's blown back. She's got burns on her face from it. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we think that's it. And that now we're stuck in the 20th century.
1: Well, wait a minute. She fires the, the tube. Yes. She fires the uh, from the tube. Manual launch on the photon torpedo. Right. Fire. And it cuts into Starling in his ship Happy, he thinks he's leaving And all of a sudden he sees on the radar The beep, 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 beep Like this and he goes, uh-oh Does yeah. he say uh-oh? <laughs> yeah, he goes, uh-oh, uh-oh <laughs> It was very funny And then he dies
0: uh, That anyway. was similar to when when Michael McKean's character of fear Was just about to be eliminated His last yeah. words were drat Remember that? Yeah. He yeah. says drat So that was Braxt. Uh, excuse me That was uh, Starling's version of drat Yes, he,
1: it was Uh-oh, right. uh-oh
0: <laughs> um so we think everything's done and that we're we're kind of stuck in the 20th century but then the rift reopens and something's coming out guess yeah. what it's braxton um braxton then informs us that uh you know that he's scanned time with his sensors and i like braxton that- by the way he yeah. was great he was a good, good actor, actor. Uh, very good actor. to be able
1: to pull off the homeless guy in part one with all that yeah know- crazy acting yeah it was a
0: tour de force for him for as a guest spot for sure but then uh but of course in this reality he's never he never experienced yeah um, didn't even know same time we didn't even know us yeah it was clueless and good for him that he didn't have to deal with all that and he says okay so i've come here to pull you back to where you're supposed to be you're supposed to be in the 24th century and janeway's like wait 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 a minute can you just leave us here and put and just put us in the 24th century? We've been trying to get back to Earth, and that's when he says, "I'm sorry, I can't violate the temporal prime directive." And everyone goes, wah, 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 wah. No. "No, no!" The collective, "No!" of all of us. I so know. sad. Dang temporal prime directive. I know. But then we end up in uh, in the mess hall. It was kind of weird. Like the Janeway calls everyone to the mess hall for a toast to the future. And I guess that's her way of just sort of saying, "Look, guys, I know we're we're right back to the Delta Quadrant. I'm so sorry. Um, let's just move on, have a drink, and head back. You know, resume our course back to the Alpha Quadrant. The Doctor and Torres talk about his mobile emitter, and now here, here is the moment that I'm talking about. Paris is staged behind Torres, right oh, yes. here. And typically, you see when you see Torres, she's usually next to Harry." Whether it's in the briefing room or in engineering, Harry and Torres are always kind of together. But this is the first time you see Paris and Torres. And I'll be honest, you guys look good together. I didn't. I I was like, "Hey, this this is okay. All right, yeah." So this is a bit of foreshadowing.
1: My heart was broken from rain. Is that? (laughs) And so you felt all the all the love feelings. Okay. Okay. All right. You were seeing happening. All right.
0: Uh, that's what i'm seeing it wasn't for balana
1: yet it was yes you know we all and and this is true of our characters this is true of life like you know we all become the people we are because of past relationships and past correct so correct you know uh tom had to go through his heart being broken with rain or Mm. you know all the other whatever he Mm. went through to get ready for Bellana
0: So for me, it was a perfect foreshadowing moment. I'm gonna yeah, keep it was, it I, I did mind. notice that okay. too. Um, but funny loved... moment, the funny moment was Janeway's facial reaction. Is that what you're gonna say? When, no. when the doctor suggests that he need? oh, well the doctor suggests he needs his own quarters. Yes. And Janeway's like, well, let's take it one step at a time. time. And she yeah. does this, she does this little goofy, like mmm, kind of like thing with her eyes. And she yeah. walks off camera right there, which was great. I love that, that was fun. What did you, th- what were you gonna say about that scene? Well.
1: I think one of the greatest lines in Star Trek history that Tom got from Rain when she was oh. talking about Mr. Leisure suit and Tuvoks a real freakosaurus.
0: Freakasaurus. freak-a-saurus. She, okay Tom
1: thinks he's yeah. he's hung on to that because of his feelings for Rain. And so he wants yeah. to, to use proper, you know, slang
0: from yeah.
1: the nineties, nineteen nineties, which everybody <laughs> said Freakasaurus, right? Uh, yes.
0: Right. Said nobody no ever said
1: no one ever, <laughs>
0: no one ever in real life
1: except on our show.
0: Yeah, so the last ben. line I
1: think of the episode is, is Tom saying to Tuvok, Oh, Tuvok, you're a real freak of Soros.
0: And this has been my criticism of this episode before I rewatched this for many years. I kept saying Voyager could have been a lot funnier. For instance, who thinks you're a real Freakosaurus is funny. I don't. I would always say that from this episode, and maybe we can ask why this was written in this way. We can find out that I think it has to do with a slang thing, and I guess. But nobody uses that slang in 1996, though. That's no. my point. I don't know if anyone
1: ever used that slang, did they? Ever, ever. Is that a word that anyone used? No, I think maybe then it was just a cute word that Rain came up with. She invented her own word, Mr. Leisure Suit, Mr. Freakasaurus. Yes. Tom liked Rain, so he's like, I'm going to hang on to that.
0: But I do want to rewind a little bit where Tuvok calls Paris out on his alleged familiarity with the 20th century, almost getting them in trouble, where they almost did survive. (laughs) They're like, really? Mr. Expert, yes, but I love that that Secret he's giving Agent you crap like and, that. Yeah, yeah, but he doesn't do that normally. That character Tuvok is so straight laced. Yeah, he doesn't joke around like that. Yeah. and I and I love that moment, which then continues my observation that that pairing is wonderful. I, I love Tuvok and Paris together. It's the it's it's yeah. the futuristic odd couple. Yeah, for yeah, me, for sure, you know? for sure. I loved it. I loved yeah. it. Do you have a different theme for this episode compared to...
1: Yeah, here's my theme. Starfleet rules are dumb because we (laughs) could have gotten home with Braxton. So my theme is stupid Starfleet. Why don't you let us go home? You have a whole time rift, spatial rift. Just take us home, dude. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So that's my theme. Starfleet rule, time rules. Time, what are they called? The uh, temporal prime directives. Temporal yeah. prime directives are dumb. Okay. <laughs> That's my theme. What's your theme?
0: I, I don't, I don't think I'm going to, I have nothing to add to that. <laughs> I'm here's my, it here's, at that.
1: My actual theme that I was going down, I was thinking about before I yeah. wrote down temporal prime directives are dumb mm-hmm. is I think zealots of any kind, like that idea came to mind. Um, zealots like, Starling with his technology power trip, or the zealots Mm -hmm. of the anti government militia, people who just get like tunnel vision about some aspect in life uh, lose the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is, okay, you know, these that's a great lesson timelines, these various timelines, and like that's a much bigger, Mm -hmm. broader more meaningful way, in my opinion, to look at Mm -hmm. life and look at the world rather than just shrinking it down to your own selfish kind of zealotry about a singular issue
0: or a singular thing. Okay. Okay. I'll buy that. So really the lesson to encapsulate what you said, the lesson, this is a cautionary tale um, to those who choose to follow extremism, yeah, for those who really make extreme behavior, they're, you know, they follow the church of extremism basically yeah. to the tune, Yeah, I think Starling did that with his yeah, technology. He, he definitely did. And yeah. as, and you're right, the anti-government people, they did it with theirs, right? Yeah. Same thing. It's us against them, all right? So, uh, we have to be subversive. We have to th- overthrow the government, you know. Yeah. Um, and this is our whole soul existence.
1: Yeah.
0: Too extreme, right? Same Agreed. thing with with uh, Starling. So great. Don't, That's a wonderful And the other
1: lesson. theme is don't be a freak
0: don't be a freakosaurus.
1: Don't, <laughs> don't do it. Don't be a freakosaurus. All right. It's not cool.
0: It's not groovy when you're it's a freakosaurus. It's not groovy. And <laughs> that's for secret agents only.
1: <laughs> hey,
0: guys. Thank you. Um, <laughs> thanks for tuning into this episode or this to the end, the two part, our review of part two. Of future zen such a fun trip both parts phenomenal robbie you got a lot to do you got to go down on the away mission you did you weren't left on the ship like i was and then um <laughs> you got to do a lot of stuff so it was a great episode or it was great a episode character development character, episode for paris it was a great for sure episode
1: for every character i thought even okay you got to sit in the captain's chair
0: that's a huge uh, uh, well step. thank you i appreciate huge that step. I, I guess that is is a plus. I, I did get to sit there. So I will look at the glasses half full. So yeah. it was good for Kim too. Okay. Great. Great. Stuff. All right. Next week, we're going to be, uh, we're going to be reviewing and recapping the episode Warlord. So oh. um, this is, uh, I'm pretty sure this is the big Jennifer Lean Kess episode. So I think okay. excited to to uh, tackle that one. But thank you guys so much for tuning into our discussion of futures Zen part two. See you next week.
1: Thanks, guys. See you next week.